Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Welcome to Morning Shot. I'm Ryan Huang. If you take a quick look around, you might realize that there seems to be more older people around you. Well, in case you're second-guessing yourself, no, that observation isn't untrue at all. The World Health Organization has estimated that between 2015 and 2050, the proportion of the world's population above 60 years will nearly double from 12% to 22%. And against that backdrop, Japan recently unveiled wide-ranging measures to reverse their dwindling birth rates in fear that the phenomenon will threaten their economy. And some of these measures include bigger payouts and provisions for homes for families of children. So with the ageing issue not expected to be gone anytime soon, can countries turn it to their advantage somehow? For more insights, we're joined by Gretchen Dunhauer. She is the demographer from the Centre on the Economics and Demography of Aging at the University of California, Berkeley. Good morning, Gretchen. How are you today? Hello. Uh, I am well, and thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. Of course, a uh, different time zone from us, so thank you very much for sparing the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a look at what's on the table. Japan has been facing this issue for many years, an aging population. And I have to note as well, it's an issue that many countries will face in time to come. Many developed countries, including Singapore to some extent, are facing this issue. So let's talk about some of the factors at play here. Rising costs delayed marriage. And then if Japan trying to figure out how to turn things around, they've been coming with some measures recently, some last chance efforts to curb the population decline. How about you make of the efforts so far from Japan? Yeah, so uh, it's a big, extensive package of measures that they're putting in place, increasing sort of direct cash subsidies to parents of young children and also increasing care opportunities so that it's more cost-effective for parents to keep working and have their child in some kind of center-based care. And uh, globally, we haven't really seen efforts like these have much effect on the birth rate overall. Um, In some countries, Mm. there's been a small increase. And overall, the uh, kinds of programs where more care is provided tend to have a slightly greater impact in terms of increasing fertility than just direct cash transfers. That seems to be related to the fact that sort of mothers and fathers' expectations are much more similar about how they're going to maintain their work and family lives now than they used to be, you know, a generation or two generations ago, that what we want in terms of help from the government is to be able to combine work and family. So I'm glad to see that the Japanese policies include um, subsidized child care and opening up more spots for child care. So I think that's somewhat more effective. But overall, it's very unlikely that you're going to be able to increase birth rates very much. So with these policies, it's more effective that they also have kind of human capital investments. So if we're increasing investments in care for children, we're also increasing sort of educational opportunities. We're increasing um, health subsidies and things so that while maybe we're not going to get that many more babies, Mm. but the babies that we do get, we'll be able to make 
great investments in for their future productivity. Yeah, it does sound like there is uh, limited success with what we've been doing so far. So if you look at the issue at hand, we have an aging population in Japan. Now, some people say that old is gold. If you have an aging workforce that stays healthy, maybe they could contribute with things like their experience, you no know, mentorship. Have you seen any success stories or at least anomalies when it comes to how the aging population can actually be you know, helpful or at least beneficial to an economy? Yeah, well, I mean, in some ways, Japan is sort of the global champion of people working for a long time. <laughs> Japanese elders, I mean, they may have retired from sort of a main career job but many of them sort of go back to work in, mm. say, running shops or continuing to do kinds of side jobs. So I think Japan's elders are already pretty healthy and they sort of expect many of them to keep working for a long time. So I think that the healthier they are and the healthier the new aging populations are, the more productive those older persons can be. Another part of sort of the potential for older persons to have heightened productivity sort of comes in the unpaid care sector of the economy. Elders are already doing a lot of work, say, to care for an aging spouse or to care for grandchildren. So to the extent that sort of increasing health investments for elders makes that even more possible, that's also another way to sort of maintain overall population productivity. Yeah, that makes sense when you think about it. Your granddad or grandma is sometimes the person you turn to to help out the kids for um, daycare in a sense. So that frees up the younger population to have maybe more kids. So I just think about it. So it does seem like that could be an area to look at. So when you look at Japan's policies, you know, what sort of um, perhaps room is there for them to scale on when it comes to supporting the civil population? Uh, is there actually demand from them to want to go back to work? Because they've been working for a long time, even though you might say, hey, we've got room for you to come back to work. Do you think there's going to be a take up for that? Yeah, I mean, certainly that is a big issue, and we see this globally. I mean, there are protests in France right now over policies to raise retirement age before you're eligible for a pension. And the big issue, I believe, there is sort of fairness, that there are some jobs that are easy to keep doing and that there are some jobs that you really can't physically continue to do. So to the extent, and we really haven't seen very many governments try to sort of discern who should be able to retire earlier or later, I mean, I think that would be sort of a good way to mm. add to the perception of fairness that, you know, there are enhanced sort of disability benefits for elders who can't keep doing certain hard physical jobs, but uh, many of us do jobs that we can keep doing for quite a long time. So that would be, you know, a net positive for the economy if you can keep working and you want to, that we make it as possible as we can. So things like sort of contracts or rules about mandatory retirements, you know, if those things can be dismantled so that people have more choice to keep working if they want to, then that's sort of the most fair way that we can maintain this productivity. Yeah, I'm just wondering as well, what's making the situation in Japan a bit more pronounced than other advanced economies? 
So in some ways, uh, it's just that Japan sort of got there first. I mean, in terms of what really drives population aging, although many of us think about this as being the product of sort of living longer, really it's the lower fertility that kind of does it. And so Japan's fertility fell, but it fell much earlier and more gradually than some of its neighbors like China, like South Korea. So the issue of sort of speed of aging is going to be sharper in those countries compared to Japan. But it really sort of goes back to how quickly uh, and how deeply fertility declined in any country. Yeah, so definitely a lot of lessons to take away from what Japan is going through for many other countries. And if you look at Japan's case, there is a lot going there when it comes to uh, what more can be done to ease the nation's so-called financial burden when it comes to at least labor policies. What do you make of is policies around foreign labor. Is that something they can look at? Yeah. So um, immigration certainly can't solve a problem of kind of fiscal imbalances that come from population aging because immigrants come in, but then they're going to age themselves as well. So it's not sort of a magic bullet that can kind of fix a population age distribution issue that's causing stress in the economy or stress in government budgets, but it certainly can ease the pressure and say maybe give you more time to put policies into place. So to the extent that, you know, Japan can sort of open itself up to more immigration, that's a net positive, but it kind of goes with its overall idea about sort of loosening some of the kind of arbitrary, say, um, restrictions in labor markets. So things like very restrictive contracts, or you can even think about kind of restrictions in terms of cultural expectations. So cultural expectations, maybe of cultural homogeneity or sort of gender expectations about, you know, say, Uh, mothers shouldn't be in the market labor force if those Mm. kinds of expectations are there. Those can be sort of rigidities that prevent people from kind of deploying their human capital in the most productive way. And working on those issues can be a way for economies to solve some of this or address some of the uh, imbalances that can happen with rapid population aging. Yeah, definitely a lot of layers in this issue to unpack. Uh, thanks for that fantastic mm-hmm. overview, uh, Gretchen. And we wish you a great day. Hey, Gretchen. Yeah. Speaking of Gretchen Dunhauer, she is the demographer from the Center on the Economics and Demography of Aging at the University of California, Berkeley. Gretchen, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.